Well, it's great to have this time this morning. I would just like to welcome everyone here to Inspire. Already God's been doing just really awesome things in our hearts and lives. And it's just what a wonderful thing to gather on a Sunday morning. And just want to welcome everyone who's joining also uh, through our live, sp- live stream. It's great to have you joining us in this service here this morning and just believing for impact, change, uh, just uh, life focus. Boy, a message has already been preached this morning. Already incredible things being said. And uh, let's just, uh, uh, before I get you to to be seated, how about we pray? Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you. What an opportunity to step into your presence. What an opportunity to open our hearts, to to breathe, to believe, to step further forward in Jesus' name. And God, we, we open, we do position ourselves this morning. We have been positioning ourselves this morning in worship to receive to know your hand, your grace, your strength, your blessing afresh upon our lives, our families, our world in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. What a privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, I I really, um, I was, uh, I don't always do this, but sometimes early in the morning, I I sort of get up, I'm a dutiful husband. And I get a cup of tea for my wife. But often what I do, I love to just um, open the door and walk outside. It's all, we have a lot of native trees all around us. And it's lovely just to walk out and just, what, what sort of day is it? What, what's the day going to be like? And so I walked out there this morning and I felt that I'd walked into a street in London. It was a pea super. You just couldn't see in front of you. There was mist all hanging in the trees. It was damp. It was sort of, in some ways, quite mystical in a sense. But it reminded me, and actually particularly more when I was worshiping this morning, it reminded me of a time that we as youth leaders took a group of young people up to Mount Tarawera. And we were enjoying this adventure. And no sooner had we got near the top, the top's quite a flat area, but then there is the crater that, that falls away. No sooner sooner had we got to the top that this mist, this cloud, this fog came in, and honestly, you could only see about a meter in front of you. Here you are, a responsible youth leader, and suddenly you can't even see to look after your own life, and you're like, where, where is everyone? Don't go near the crater edge. And suddenly in a moment, you can't see where you're going. You can't see what, where, where, you, where you need to be. And I was just thinking this morning in a, in, a, in a very real sense, you know, for many of us in our journey, we get lost. We, 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 where things are fine, but then there's sort of like this fog, this events, life situations happen, and we sort of get stuck, and we can just see a little bit ahead. But like we were sharing this morning, you know, as we come into God's presence, it's like, you know, the day unfolds, and, and look at the day that we've got today. There's something of God's presence that lifts our focus and gives us that ability to see and to then walk in and out of sometimes very dangerous situations, but we're able to see the presence of God, the Word of God, God's, God's hand with us, then leads us out and up and into all that we have for our lives. And I believe that for some this morning, that's a word for us, that wherever you are right now, God's got an answer. God's got breakthrough for you. God's got a way for you to move from where you are into all that God has got for your life. You know, this, this um, month of June, we've been looking at this theme of, of um, all in, and we've been having some awesome events on Wednesday nights, and, 
and uh, each night has been different and been um, a, a, re- a real blessing. And uh, this, this last Wednesday night particularly was um, Pastor Don and Julia uh, led us in an incredible time of, of um, ministry, and there was, it was about capturing the heart of Inspire, and uh, incredible time of ministry and worship, and just feel strengthened, just feel em- empowered, and, and, uh, but our, our preaching, our, our thinking, our, our um, teaching that we want to focus on this month is talking about parables. And I don't know about you, have you got a favorite parable? Is there, is there a favorite parable that you, that you look to? Pastor Jesse actually asked me quite a while ago, would I preach on one of my favorite parables? And straight away, I thought of the parable of the, the prodigal son. But in actual fact, one of my other favorite parables is the parable of the sower. And I love the parable of the sower because it gives me a mental picture of what it means to come under the ministry of God's Word. It's like having someone at the front or someone in your life. It doesn't necessarily always need to be in a preaching session like this, but it's in a place where your life is open and someone takes the Word of God and the Word of God is sown into your heart and life. And that word begins to bring change. It's a seed, but it begins to bring change to your life. So when you think about, and when I think about parables, often I'm drawn to the, the parable of the prodigal son, and also I'm drawn to the, the, the uh, parable of the sower, an incredibly insightful teaching in those parables. You know, Jesus preached and spoke around about 36 parables. And I've already asked, you know, what is your favorite parable? Sit down as a family sometimes. Sometimes you're having a coffee with someone and talk to someone. And say, What's your favorite parable? What, what, is it, what is it about that parable that captures your heart, that speaks into your life? You know, it's interesting to note that a thousand years before Jesus, it was prophesied that he would speak in parables. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus quotes Psalm 78. And he says this, that I will open my mouth with parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. What is a parable? A parable simply is a short, simple story of common life that conveys spiritual impact and spiritual truth. Why speak in parables? Well, Jesus spoke parables to reveal truth. Often if we speak about something in the natural world, it opens our understanding and then it can can then um, uh, give us understanding of a spiritual truth, of a spiritual dynamic. Parables, Parables open our eyes to deeper insights into Christ and his kingdom and give us a greater glimpse into the spiritual realm. They also help us to apply truth to our everyday life. And when you think about parables, there are parables about the great banquet, the persistent widow, the shrewd manager, the parable of the tenants, the lost coin, the mustard seed, and the parable of the good Samaritan. But I want to get into my message, and I want to, want to focus on the parable of the, of the, the, um, of the, the lost son or the, the two sons, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But I want us to think, and I've already alluded to, the, to this a little bit already, I want you to think about a time, when, when is there a time in your life when you have been really lost? When is a time in your life when you have been majorly, and I mean lost, <laughs> There's one, I've got a number of examples actually. (laughs) 
One example was when, a number of years ago, Sharon and I had the opportunity, we'd gone to um, visit family in the UK, and we had this opportunity to go to Turkey. And we've never been to Turkey before, and, and it's, um, it's very different than a Western country. Sharon's brother and family were living in Turkey. So we had this opportunity to travel out to Turkey, and we, we were pumped. We thought, this is really exciting. You know, Malcolm starts to tell us stories about, you know, what happens, and, you know, you're pulled over by the police and speeding fines, not that that would ever affect me, but when that sort of thing happens, how you deal with those sort of situations, very different from what happens in New Zealand. But we were in Turkey, and we'd arrived in, in Turkey, we'd got ensconced, that's a good, ensconced, or in the house, we're, we're welcomed into the house, and, uh, and, but Malcolm Sharon's brother was really busy, and, and he was sort of focused on some business work thing, and we'd sort of come on this holiday for a week, and we wanted to live it up and enjoy and explore and see a, a bit of the country. So we were around home for about a, um, a, a day or a couple of days, and then finally, it was like the cloud, the mist cleared, and Malcolm said to me, oh, John, I've got a motorbike. So that just really, you know, my, you know, my, my heart missed a beat and my eyes went big as Buick hubcaps. And, you know, I, I thought, wow, a motorbike, an opportunity to escape and explore and go and have a look. Well, we hopped on this trail bike and we headed off. And where they lived, um, going further um, up the, 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 um, in that area, there were sort of two bays. And we went up there, and some of the family had gone down by a beach area, and, and we uh, were wanting to get to, we, we, to where they were. And so we hopped on this bike. Um, we didn't have any Turkish money with us. We couldn't speak Turkish. Well, I didn't even think we had our passports with us. We just wanted to escape and, and get on this adventure and explore something of, of, of Turkey and all that. So we headed off on this trail bike. And uh, we, we got to where we, we really felt we needed to go, to this bay, and, but we couldn't find the beach. We couldn't find where we needed to go. So we thought, well, what we need to do is to go higher up. That's a good thing, isn't it? Go higher up, and we'll better look down and see where we need to go. So we roared up on this bike, got it to a high point because it was sort of the, the, the houses and land went quite high up. So we were able to go quite high, and then we were about to easily see, look down, and think, oh, that's easy. We can see exactly where we need to go. And so we would come down from that high point, get amongst all the buildings and the houses and all that sort of thing, totally get lost again. This was terrible. Well, I don't want to bore you with a long story with this, but after a while, we were worried. We were getting anxious. We were getting stressed. Sharon's butt was starting to complain, and she was starting to annoy me. And we were basically in a really difficult place. We, 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 at the end of the day, we knew if things really worked out terribly, we thought we could actually finally make it down the, the sort of main road back to the house, but we wanted to get to the family. And we were in a, a really dangerous, lost position. But, you know, I still remember this. This is a number of years ago. Um, I still remember the day when we came down amongst, because we couldn't read the road signs or anything like that. Everything was strange. We came down this road, and I remember that vividly to, to this day, looking down the street with the motorbike sort of out, out into the street, and then looking down, and we saw the kids playing down by the beach. Wow, was that a relief. I, we, we, we were lost, but now we were found. That sense of trepidation had lifted off our lives. And I want to say to you this morning, and I want to bounce off to that, to say this morning that, that lost people matter to God. 
I want to say that clearly this morning, that lost people matter to God. You know, Zacchaeus has already been mentioned, I think, by Zahn this morning, that, you know, Jesus was passing by and he sees, and, and Zacchaeus, because of his short, is it because he is short of stature? but he had long pockets. Was that that the way it went? You know, Jesus saw him and he saw this man was lost and he calls him down to his house and he says, Zacchaeus, I need to have a meal. I need to meet with you in in his house. He was a lost man. He was separated from his community. He was probably living in some form of deception and corruption, but Jesus met that man and his life was saved. Think about the woman at the well in John chapter four and uh, how Jesus meets this woman and gets into this dialogue with her and, and her life is rescued. Jesus meets with her. It's actually interesting in that scripture in John chapter four and verse four, and it says that now Jesus had to go through Samaria. And I believe that that was more than just a geographical thing of Jesus having to go through that area. I believe that the Father had already spoken to Jesus' life about this woman that was lost, that there was an appointment, there was a divine time of of, uh, interruption, a, a, a time of meeting with her and ministering into her life. You know, I love the story also of Simon Peter, broken, broken, disillusioned, lost in his denial of Jesus, um, when, when he said, you know, no, I don't know him. But when you read in Mark chapter 16, and I think this is a really precious little glimpse of scripture, in Mark chapter 16 and verse seven, and it's at the tomb, and the angel says to the women that had gathered there at the tomb that he is not here, see the place where, that they, ha- where they have laid in. And then the angel says to these women, um, but go, tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus has gone ahead of them. I love it, the fact that in, in Peter's brokenness and his lostness, God speaks through the angel and mentions Peter's name. You know, think about the fact of Ruth, a Moabite woman who's, who sadly her husband died, but then in, in her heart and life, she's given this desire to stay with Naomi and God leads her out of that Moabite country into the, the promised land, as it were, into the land of Israel and her name ends up being in the, the, the genealogies of Jesus Christ in, in Matthew chapter one. You know, a woman that was away from God's kingdom in a sense, away from the land of promise, but God sees her heart. God sees this woman and rescues her. And I just wanna say this morning that, that Jesus's ministry is to seek and to save that which is lost, to rescue lost people, to come into their lives and to give them direction and peace and meaning and, and lift them out of the fog, lift them out of the confusion, lift them out of that sense of brokenness and give them a sense of destiny and future and purpose. And, I, and that's why I really, I love this parable of the lost son because in um, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, it says this, and Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. But I wanna, wanna say to you, that, that there's actually two sons here and we'll mention the other son later on. But in verse 14, it says this, that after he had spent everything, listen to that. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. Just imagine that. It's not just one thing that hits your life, it's two. 
He runs out of money. His credit card no longer works. And suddenly the, eco- the economy around him just goes into free fall. There, there are very few jobs and life begins to really go into a downfall. And I wanna just talk for a moment about how do we handle life when it seems like the wheels of our life begin to wobble and start to fall off? How do you handle the challenges of life? How do you handle situations where it just seems like you're climbing a mountain and then all of a sudden it just seems this fog comes around you. You can't see. You can't see where to go. You feel lost. You feel blind. You feel unable to move from where you are. How do you handle that? I remember a few years ago, we were on a missions trip in, in um, Cambodia and we were traveling down the main street of, of Phnom Penh in a van. And the, they have a lot of, lot of motorcycles over there and they have these little wooden trailers behind the motorcycles. And as we were going down the main street, just looking at all the sights and the sounds and the smells of, of Phnom Penh, this little trailer in front of us, the right-hand wheel just starts to wobble like this, you know, and, it's, and we're not going really, really fast. It's not a motorway, but this wheel just starts to wobble wobble more and more like this. And we're sort of honking the horn and say, you know, pointing, oh, you know, this wheel. And finally, after a while, you know, we're able to, to get their attention and they, they pull over and start to, you know, look, look at that wheel that's about to drop off. And I want to I say, how do we handle life when challenges come, when things are not easy? You know, sometimes we encounter difficulties, challenges, because of poor decisions that we've made. And as I've thought about this, my confession time, I've, I've made some bad decisions. And sometimes those bad decisions that we make impact our lives. We, we feel the judder. We feel the, the wobble of the wheel. We think, oh, you know, I think Sharon, my wife, often says, there's no such thing as a, there's no such thing as a bad mistake. As long as we don't, as long as we learn from it. You know, and I think that's, that's a great saying. But, but, you know, there's decisions, there's things that we do where, where you know, it affects our lives and we, we've got to take responsibilities for those poor decisions. We've, already, we've, we, we, we've all done them, we've all made those poor decisions. But then there are also decisions and, or, or poor decisions and actions that uh, um, others make and the fallout of their bad decisions influence our lives. And so we can be impacted by our world. We can be impacted of, of, of people around us that make poor decisions and that can buffet and hurt and make life difficult for us. But then there are times in life when life just sometimes throws us a curveball. Life is fine that all of a sudden just something happens and we think, well, why? What's going on? Why? I don't deserve this. What's happening here? You know, I've been a good boy. You know, I haven't done any, you know, and suddenly just something happens and it buffets your life and you think, and very easy to, to go down some wrong tracks in it, as it were, but maybe it's a health issue, a job loss, a failed relationship, a friendship, maybe a decision that you've made believing God and it's not working out the way you thought it should, the way you hoped it would, would, would eventuate and so you're caught in this bad, difficult situation. How do we respond? How do we handle these times? And I just wanna take a few moments this morning and just talk about how do we handle some of these life, life situations that really try to tear the, 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 the life from us, try to deflate us, try to hinder us in our walk with God. And I just want to say the first thing I think is really important, and, um, and I just want to mention this, is beware of the battlefield of your mind. 
So often when we come into a difficult time, we come into turbulence, we come into um, situations that really buffet our life, beware of the battleground of your, line, of your mind. You know, sometimes things, uh, our, our thoughts, can, these insidious thoughts can begin to just suddenly think, well, they, they, where did that come from? But, but they begin to just en- encroach and pound our mind and our thinking. You know, you're, you're not gonna get through this. Obviously, God doesn't love you. You have really blown it this time. Time, what are others going to be thinking of you with, with this happening to you? And there's that whole compounding and it gets to the stage where this battlefield almost becomes like a, a horror movie that's being played over and over in our mind. And we, we feel like we want to reach into our mind and pull out that DVD or pull out that movie reel and throw it out. But we, we just keep thinking over maybe the event, the situation, the brokenness of whatever's happened. And that movie keeps on trying to, trying to play. And I was thinking about this scripture in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, and it's a really powerful scripture, and it's, and it's addressing this. And it says, you know, uh, to, and it's talking about the weapons we have at our disposal, weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds. And in verse 5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to this, and it says, and we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I believe that's a, a very aggressive thing that we need to do. And in some ways, I, I like to think about that, that in, the, in the sense that our mind is like a stage. You know, and, and in a sense, this stage here, in a sense, we can't always determine or we can't always have a say over the birds that are flying over the stage of our mind. But what we can do, we can walk along our stage and we can shoo off those crows. We can um, uh, be aggressive in a sense, I believe, in prayer to move those things off. They're not allowed to land. They're not allowed to poop on my deck. And I believe that takes an aggressiveness sometimes to believe that my mind is important. I need to guard my mind. I need to protect my mind. And that scripture talks about that we can take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ and we can gain victory in the area of the battleground of our mind. You might say, oh, John, that's really easy. No, it's not. It's a battle. Sometimes it's day after day. Sometimes it's a journey to gain victory in those areas of thoughts that come. The the second thing I want to talk about is in in those times when it's like the wheels of our life are beginning to fall off, don't isolate your life. Don't go into hiding. You know, one of our echoes is we are better. We are better together. And I believe keep and strengthen key relationships around your life. You know, I want, I want to say these two things. Bad, bad decisions. I just need some me time. I just need some me time. Um, when I get myself sorted out, then I'll get back to church. You know, we've probably all been there. But, you know, it's so important that we realize that we need each other in the battle. We need, need each other in this journey. We need to humble ourselves and say, oh, I need my brothers and sisters. We're a, we're a powerful group together. We're an awesome church. We're an awesome people. We're an awesome family. And it happens as we learn to link arms together and walk together in victory. You know, I love this verse of scripture, and I'm not sure whether we're gonna get it on the, on, on the screen, but it's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. And could we, get, could we get that up? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. And it talks about um, not giving up meeting together. 
says, not, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, as we come to, to, to church this morning, there, there are two very, very powerful things that are important and we've, we're already entering into them, but worship is incredibly powerful to be a corporate body that comes to worship and to praise and to lift. You feel your heart. You feel your heart just expanding. You feel a sense that I'm in the right place. I'm beginning to see more clearly. You, you, you sense God's touch upon your life. Worship is so very important in our, in our times of corporate um, uh, community and also the preaching of God's word. It's God's word that gives us victory. But, um, but also from that passage of scripture, one of our primary goals when we come to church, as that scripture says, is to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then secondly, to encourage one another. You know, I just think that's so important. It's easy to come sometimes and we just sort of get into the habit of coming. And, and what, But God's got a mission, a mandate, a calling on each one of us. Who, who do I need to speak to this morning? Who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to, maybe the word, some words that I can speak can lift up, can, can help someone, can, can minister life into someone in their journey today. Who could I encourage? Who could I spare on? And then the, the, another thing I just want to talk about is don't overtalk your life challenges. Don't overtalk your life, life's challenges. And also I just added this morning when I looked at my notes, don't undertalk them either. You know, I think there are, there are times in life where we do need to talk about things that are going on. We do need to talk about some of the challenges. But after a while, we find that our, our challenges, our walls, our mountains seem to get bigger, not smaller. As we talk about them, the, the mountain seems to grow and our faith seems to drop away. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from, from there to here and it will move. We can speak to our mountains. You know, I love this. Mark Batterson said this, and I want you to listen to this. I think it's worthy of some thought and worthy of some mulling over. He says this, there comes a moment when you must stop, um, you must quit talking to God about the mountain in your life and start talking to the mountain about your God. I'll say that again. There comes a moment when you must quit talking to God about the mountain in your life and start talking to the mountain about your God, proclaiming His power, declaring His sovereignty, affirming His faithfulness, standing on the Word and clinging to the promises of God. And I believe that's just so, so important. You know, beware, and I've said, beware of the battlefield of your mind. Don't isolate, don't go into hiding. Don't overtalk your life's challenges. But then the, the, the next area I'd like to talk about is make, make a life choice to return home. Make a life choice to return home. You know, in Luke chapter 15 and verse 17, um, it talks about the prodigal son, that he, he comes to that moment of need, of brokenness, his wallet, his credit card won't work. He's, and it says he comes to his senses and he begins to think of home. He begins to think of home and, he, and he, he begins to think, even in my father's house, my hired, the, the hired servants have food enough to spare. You know, I believe that in each of our lives, that moment when we begin to think of home, life change begins to happen. You know, I remember, I remember years ago, my dad used to talk to me about, he didn't, he didn't talk a lot actually, but he talked sometimes about his experiences in World War II. 
And my dad was a Christian. He did pray. He did read the word of God. But one of the ways my dad got through the horror and the, the, some of the terrible things that they saw in the war, that in his mind, he would go back to the farm and he would walk around the different paddocks of the farm. His in that ability and his imagination to take himself out of the horror and place himself in a place of peace, of, of remembrance, of, of, of goodness, of remembering. And, and I believe that's so important in our life. That, but, for, but for us as Christians, we come to that place and we begin to think of home. We begin to think that there's possibly a different place for me where I am now, out of my lostness, out of my brokenness, into a place of, of uh, welcome, into a place called home. And I love verse 18 where the prodigal says, I will set out and I will go back to my Father. I wanna say loud and clear to everyone this morning that whatever challenge, whatever situation you've got going into your life, let there be a determination rising in, in my heart that I will not run from God, I will run to God. I will not hide away, I will not isolate, I will not say, oh, no, no, no. I will run to God. I will run to His presence, I will run to His help. And you know, I believe that when we, in that sense of um, um, strength, we don't allow doubt, we don't allow fear, we don't allow unbelief to disempower and to rob us and to steal from us. And, and in a sense, having that determination, I'm making a life choice to, to, to run home. And I believe for that prodigal, that was a pivotal stage in his life that he, that he began to think of home. He, he began to make that commitment that he wanted the father's house. He wanted the father's presence and he wanted to walk into that place of spiritual growth. You know, I love this in this, this story because it comes to the stage where the son returns home. The father sees him from a distance. But as the son comes um, to the father, the son has prepared a speech. And the, the speech goes something like this. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he, but he has more to the speech, but he can't get the whole speech out because his father begins to interject and begins to speak over his life. And the father says, quick, this was urgent. This was important. This was something that was not just, oh, let's just, we'll talk about it at some other stage. The father just sensed the lostness of the son and the, the desperate need to see him restored and brought back into right relationship, into right fellowship. And the father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Relationship had been restored. And I just wanna to say to you this morning, it is so imperatively important that in, in our journey in life that we learn to bring our lives in and under the Father's words. You know, our words are important. The things that we say to each other, the, the words that we maybe internalize or whatever, but learning in life to bring our lives under the word of God. What is, what is his words? For each of you here this morning, what is the word of God to you today? What is the word that, that the Father is wanting to speak into your specific journey and life? I believe that for each of you, there's a word. There's something that God is wanting to impress upon your life. It's a word from God. It's the Father's word to your own heart and life. You see, I believe a great key to our lostness and brokenness in, in this coming out of 
coming out of lostness and brokenness, is returning to the Father's house and learning to grasp the significance and importance of the Father's words. Can we just put up that scripture, Isaiah 41 and verses 9 and 10? Isaiah 41 and verse 9 and 10. You know, this was a, this was a passage of scripture that, that in, a, in a very difficult time in, in my journey, in my life, God, God just spoke this into my life and it was just like a, a rescue verse. It just, it just it was lifted, lifted me and changed my whole trajectory. And, and it says, you know, and I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant, I've chosen you and I have not rejected you. And I, I just wanna say to you this morning that the words that the Father speaks over our lives are transformational. But also I wanna say, and I want you to hold on to that thought, the words that God speaks into our life, but I want you to say, take it a little bit further. You know, what, you know what happens as the Father speaks words over our lives? We then begin to speak the Father's words. And I believe that that's the journey that each one of us are on. Yes, we enjoy the blessing, the fulfillment, the joy of the Father's words over our lives. But then there comes that sense that we are challenged as a people to speak words of life. And I've been really challenged by this. We begin to speak prophetically. We, be, we begin to speak into situations, not out of our own intellect, not out of our own mindset, as it were, my ideas. There's plenty of ideas in the world. We need the Word of God. We need heaven's answers to situations. And so there comes that place of hearing, receiving God's Word, but then our ability to speak into situations. I think we need to be inspired afresh about the Word of God. You know, in John chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. In Matthew chapter eight and verse eight, the Roman centurion declared, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under the roof of my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. In John chapter six and verse 68, Jesus was teaching on the, on the fact that the, the, the truth that he was the bread of life. And he began to talk about things like eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And, and, and many of his disciples at that stage thought, man, this guy has really gone off his rocker. He's talking about this sort of stuff. And the Bible says that many from that time on walked away. They thought, no, we, we can't follow Jesus with this one. We, we love this and this and this and this. But when he's talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, they, they couldn't understand. They couldn't comprehend it. But I love what Peter responds. And, and, and Jesus then says to the, the disciples that hadn't left, and he says this, and he says, oh, well, what about you guys? What, what's gonna happen to you? And, and, and this is Peter's response. And he says this, um, Lord, to whom shall we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words to eternal life. Lord, to whom shall we go? And I love this in John chapter seven and verse 44, and, and, it, and it talks about, you know, some wanted to seize Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him. They wanted to take him by force. But then it says, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked why, because they were sent to, to bring Jesus to them. And, and they say to these um, hardened Roman temple guards, why didn't you bring him in? Why didn't you arrest him? Why didn't you just take him by force and bring him in? And the scripture says that these men, these men said, no one ever spoke. No one ever spoke 
the way this man does. No one. To whom shall we go? You alone have the words to eternal life. You know, and I believe that this morning we need to make a life choice to return home. We need to make a life commitment to begin if we haven't already to begin our spiritual journey to say the home is where I need to be and a conscious effort to grow my spiritual life. You know, the prodigal said, I will set out and go back. I will set out and go back to my father. And secondly, make a life commitment to now live my life in relationship with the father. And then just as we draw this to a close, I I believe this is so important. Make a life choice to do the work that my father has got for me to do. Make a life choice to do the work that my Father has got me to do. You know, in in Luke chapter 15, and we are preaching from Luke 15, (laughs) Luke 15 says this. We haven't talked much about the older son, but it says in in verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants. He didn't go to his father. He went to his servants and asked him, what was going on? His brother has come in, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And verse 28 says, And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. This is the conversation that the the older um, son and the father have. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Listen to that. Never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered my property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. But then listen to the father's words. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You know, I believe there's a great challenge for us to enter into the work, enter into the assignment, enter into what God has called each one of us to be doing. And it's different for each of us, but there's an assignment. We don't just come back and say, oh God, you know, I opened my heart to you. But in that place of relationship, God begins to breathe. He begins to give assignments. He begins to speak into our life. And so for each one of us, you know, there's different assignments, there's different plans, there's different words that God is giving that's directing and leading and shepherding us into. And then the fact that we're then a body um, is absolutely incredible because there's different people doing different things that brings the body into wholeness and, and greatness and maturity and health and blessing and impact on our world. And I just encourage you this morning, I'd like us to, to my time is up. Um, let's, I'd like us to have a time of, of worship. I'd like us to stand this morning. I don't know everyone here the, this morning, but um, maybe you've never, maybe just, could we just have every head bowed, every eye closed? Um, I don't know everyone here this morning. And I've talked about that decision that the, the younger son made to return to the father's house. And I wonder this morning if there are ones here that have never made that commitment to say, I want to go home. I want to come back. I want to come to my father's house. And uh, just in this moment, in the presence of God, I'd love to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And just as every 
eyes closed, every head is bowed. Look, and I'm the only one looking around. If you'd like to make that decision this morning, I'd love to, to, to pray with you. We're all gonna pray this prayer together. But if, if this is your moment this morning that you wanna surrender your life to Jesus Christ, what an incredible morning to be able to do this today. What, a, what an awesome day. That decision, God, I wanna come home. God, I wanna come home. I wanna learn to walk and relate and fellowship and commune in the Father's house and get a hold of the destiny and victory that He has for me. Is that you this morning? What if we could pray this prayer this morning, all of us? Dear Heavenly Father, just say that again. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you want me in your family. I receive you now as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for coming into my heart and life, making me a brand new person. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.